Kalamazoo spill still being affected even to this day because you can't clean it the conventional oil spill ways. The bitumen is heavy, it sinks, it's the consistency of peanut butter, it's thick, it's the most crudest oil out there. So okay, I'm sorry, I got it. would be devastating. We, go, we are right on at the end of our show, kind of, I just since you mentioned it, I will repeat it. Um, you gave your email, that's uh, K-A-N-A-H-U-S Manuel, Manuel at gmail.com if you want to uh, find out more. I'm sure the, the various activist groups and uh, uh, in this area that have been fighting the uh, the fossil fuel infrastructure will jump on this too. Anyway, thank you so much, Canos. It was great to, great to thank hear you. from you. Thank All right. You. And bye, everybody. This is Paul Rowland for Wednesday Talk Radio. Deception annoys me Deception destroys me The Bill of Rights froze me Jails they all know Frustrated our churchmen The saving of soul men The tinker, the tailor The colonial governor They pulled the palm you're listening to KBOO Portland's 90.7 FM. The time is 9 a.m. Next up is Fight the Empire. Well, good morning. This is Per Fogering, and the show is Fight the Empire, and uh, always a good day to fight the empire. Uh, well, in the latest news, uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi has uh, poked a dragon, and the dragon says it will fire back. Uh, she uh, was visiting uh, Taiwan uh, briefly, and uh, I think she's come and gone, and then uh, the, the China's uh, responded by uh, planning uh, uh, war games, uh, which may be going on right now. Uh, I'm not sure what has been accomplished by this, except that uh, I suppose uh, Nancy Pelosi thinks it has kind of burnished her credentials a little bit. But anyway, uh, there you have it. Uh, it's a... Um, 
the U.S. There's an interesting article uh, by Jeffrey Sachs, and uh, which sort of applies to which is about Ukraine, but the U.S. is kind of doing the uh, doing the same thing with uh, with China, where we uh, insert, we put military bases all around the all around the country, and uh, who knows my undercover expeditions might be going on, but uh, it's a uh, it's a sort of ongoing thing where the U.S. has uh, has these bases all around the world, and uh, it makes you wonder just what is the purpose of all this. Uh, uh, this is this is the article by Jeffrey Sachs. Uh, the war in Ukraine is a culmination of a 30-year project of the American neoconservative movement. Uh, the Biden administration is packed with the same neocons who championed the U.S. wars of choice in Serbia, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and Libya, and who did so much to provoke Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, the neocon, here's a little uh, interlude, the, it, it's interesting that, uh, that the Biden administration seems to have the same neocon philosophy as the uh, preceding Trump administration did, maybe even more so. Anyway, back to uh, Jeffrey Sachs. Uh, the neocon track record is one of unmitigated disaster, yet Biden has staffed his team with neocons. As a result, Biden is steering Ukraine, the U.S., and the European Union towards yet another geopolitical debacle. If Europe has any insight, it will separate itself from these U.S. foreign policy debacles. The neocon movement emerged in the 1970s around a group of public intellectuals, several of whom were influenced by uh, University of Chicago political scientist Leo Strauss and uh, Yale University professor Donald Kagan. Uh, neocon leaders, well, these are a list of the different... One of the, one of the neocon leaders is uh, uh, Victoria Newland, who is the wife of Robert Kagan, who I believe is still uh, she was a um, she was a one who did a famous uh, little episode in, in Kiev where she was passing out cookies to uh, Ukrainians, uh, kind of urging them to uh, to fight the uh, fight the Russians, and. Uh, she is the wife of Robert Kagan. I feel at least she might still be uh, have some post in the Biden administration. Uh, back to uh, Jeffrey Sachs. The main message of the neocons is that the U.S. must predominate in military power in every region of the world and must confront rising regional powers that could someday challenge U.S. global or regional interests. Uh, dominance, rather. Excuse me while I turn the page here. For this purpose, U.S. military force should be pre-positioned in hundreds of military bases around the world, and the U.S. should be prepared to lead wars of choice as necessary. The United States is to be used by the U.S. only when useful for U.S. purposes. So there you have That is the neocon philosophy that seems to be... Uh, uh, prevalent even in the uh, even in the uh, Biden administration, 
we might ask, uh, one thing that occurs to it's well myself and a lot of other people is President uh, Biden uh, trying to overthrow President Putin. Uh, the New York uh, Post has a, uh, a recent article where uh, uh, Biden uh, contradicts his aides and reaffirms calls for Putin's overthrow. And uh, you sort of wonder what is the uh, what is the purpose of that? What is the uh, why? You know, you have to wonder what is the uh, why would the uh, what would the U.S. get out of uh, overthrowing Putin? Because, uh, you know, you have to think about, suppose he did uh, get pushed out of power, uh, what then? It could be uh, that uh, somebody even even more antagonistic would, be, uh, would replace him. Uh, the last time before Putin, uh, you know, we sort of have to remember that uh, uh, remember Boris Yeltsin was the uh, uh, president of Russia, and uh, he was uh, famous for. Uh, he decided he was going to uh, sell off uh, state properties, which in theory were owned by the people of Russia, and uh, Yeltsin uh, sold them off. Uh, all these. Uh, uh, Energy companies and various enterprises to uh, uh, to private investors at uh, from what I heard at uh, really at, at super low bargain rates. So these uh, newly formed oligarchs uh, gained a lot. Uh, the Russian people lost. They lost the properties that were presumably uh, helping them in their lives, but. Uh, uh, Yeltsin uh, continued this way for, uh, I guess he was in power for about 10 years. And then uh, his, uh, well, he had a drinking problem, and that caught up with him. And that's when he uh, he turned over uh, uh, turned over his office to uh, uh, Vladimir Putin. Probably not knowing at that time Putin was sort of an unknown quantity. Uh, he's, I think at the time he was... Um, some sort of deputy mayor of St. Petersburg or something like that. And so uh, uh, perhaps uh, Yeltsin and others thought that uh, Putin would uh, kind of go along with their program, but uh, it turned out he didn't. Uh, Putin uh, has his own ideas of what, uh, uh, what Russia should be doing in the world, and uh, he has kind of brought that to bear, and... Uh, he is kind of, uh, as far as the U.S. concerns, uh, he's kind of uh, a world enemy number one, which I think is unwarranted, but uh, there you have it. Uh, but uh, if anybody wants to call in with questions or comments, uh, the number is 503-231-8180. Uh, what is uh, what is your opinion? Do you think uh, President Biden is uh, is leading is leading this country in, in a good direction, or is uh, he just kind of uh, antagonizing, uh, uh, continue poking the bear while uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, takes her turn at uh, uh, poking the dragon? This is kind of a uh, uh, 
kind of a dangerous situation because, uh, you know, in some ways it's like a kind of a choreographed ballet where uh, different performers had to take your turn on stage, but uh, it could get out of hand. And uh, especially... Uh, Especially with uh, <clears throat> right now with uh, with Taiwan, uh, China has responded by saying that uh, China has always uh, uh, stated that uh, Taiwan is not a is not a separate country. That Taiwan is part <clears throat> is uh, has always been part of the uh, kind of the Chinese. Uh, Chinese nation, and uh, that it continues to be that way, and that the U.S. is uh, is trying to uh, detach uh, part of China from the rest of the country. And that you know that uh, that that would be something worth uh, worth debating. But this is this is China's view, and so when uh, uh, when Nancy Pelosi uh, kind of uh, pokes a dragon. Uh, Visits Taiwan and uh, uh, makes the obligatory uh, statements against China, and then uh, and then heads back to the United States. Uh, uh, this uh, is uh, one one more little step downward in our relations with China. And what kind of relations should we have with China? You know, they uh, China's. Uh, I think their economy now. Is uh, equal to perhaps is bigger than the bigger than the United States economy. That uh, they uh, uh, they provide a lot of things that we need. Although uh, they also ha- are dependent on apparently they are dependent on Taiwan for uh, uh, for uh, uh, software uh, for computer. Uh, uh, Parts, but uh, so you have a, a situation where uh, nations, uh, economies that depend on each other, are at the same time uh, kind of bickering over their place in the world. Um, so, if anybody has a uh, question or comment on this, uh, the number to call is five zero three two three one eight one eight seven. Are you uh, are you happy with uh, Nancy Pelosi poking the dragon? And uh, if not, why not? Um, we might remember. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, in 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 many ways the uh, our U.S. Uh, foreign policy voices would would love to see. Uh, Putin overthrown, uh, like the New York Post article uh, said that uh, that uh, President Biden uh, has contradicted his own aides and uh, reaffirmed his call for uh, Putin's overthrow. And so, uh, what then? Where do we uh, where do we go from uh, from there? Because uh, Boris Yeltsin uh, was not. Uh, he was uh, remembered in a very bad way by a lot of Russians because he sold off a lot of their uh, state people's assets and enriched a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, newly formed oligarchs. So uh, there you have uh, what's going on now is that uh, different people are playing their playing their power games, and meanwhile the uh, uh, the world is kind of uh, burning up. The uh, heat wave, we're in the middle of the heat wave right now, and there's an article uh, in, the, in the UK Guardian that, uh, that the uh, blistering heat waves are just the start, and we must uh, accept how bad things are before we can head off a global catastrophe, according to a leading uh, UK... Uh, I can turn the article. I can read off a little bit of it. Um, this is article is by uh, by Bill McGuire, a professor of geophysical and climate uh, hazards at the University College of London, and uh, this is his take on the climate situation. Page here. Uh, the publication of Bill McGuire's latest book, Hothouse Earth, could not be more timely. Oh, this is a review of his book. Appearing in the shops this week, it will be perused by sweltering customers who have just endured record high temperatures across the UK and now face the prospect of weeks of drought to add to their discomfort. And this is just the beginning, insists McGuire who is Emeritus Professor of Geophysical and Climate Hazards at University College London, as he makes clear in his uncompromising depiction of the coming climate catastrophe, we have not for far too long ignored explicit warnings that rising carbon emissions are dangerously heating the earth, and now we're going to pay the price for our complacence in the form of storms, floods, droughts, and heat waves that will easily surpass current extremes. The crucial point, he argues, is that there is now no chance of us avoiding a perilous, all-pervasive climate breakdown. We have passed the point of no return and can expect a future in which lethal heat waves and temperatures in excess of 120 degrees Fahrenheit are common in the tropics, where summers at temperate latitudes will invariably be... Uh, baking hot, where our oceans are destined to become warm and acidic. A caller. child born in 2020 will face a far more hostile world than his parents, grandparents did, McGuire insists. In this respect, a volcanologist, who is also a member of the UK government's Natural Hazard Working Group, takes an extreme position. Most other climate experts still maintain we have time left although not very much, to bring about meaningful reductions in greenhouse gas admissions, emissions. A rapid drive to net zero and the halting of global warming is still within our grasp, they say. Such claims are dismissed by McGuire. I know a lot of people working in climate scientists say one thing in public, but a very different thing in private. In confidence, they are all much more scared about the future we face but they won't admit that in public. I call this climate appeasement. I believe it only makes things worse. 
the world needs to know how bad things are going to get before we can start to tackle the crisis. So there we have uh, one a scientist's uh, uh, view on that. We have a caller. And, hello? Yes, we have a caller. Oh, we have a caller online. Good morning. You're on the air. Hey, good to give a shout-out to you because it seems like um, if you go with um, the looks of the miasma of how thick and cloudy and unbelievably murky the whole situation has become on uh, so many levels. But I appreciate your kind of trying to cut through some of this, and um, I would like to just try to say one or two little things. Um, mm -hmm. Like in Hawaii, they had this thing, ha'oponoponopon, with a um, New Age translation, is to say, I'm sorry, you know, forgive me, I love you. But the uh, more uh, wider, profound meaning of this is that it's... Um, a society, a Polynesian kind of society where there's fishing and the fish get tangled in the net. So the whole concept of entanglement, I think if you take it on a global scale, it's really great that, you know, you're able to jump in there and um, make some vast or not 50-50, it's this way or that way type of um, reflections on it. But I did want to think um, we and think about the, the murky idea like in... Um, in Buddhism or Jungian psychology, the consciousness of the people that there's not really, um, it's not 50-50 or whatever, but it takes a, a, a raising in the consciousness of the people to get a larger, more like um, care, uh, compassion and understanding. Um, like um, Rabbi Lerner said in the left hand of God, the problem is this big malaise because everybody's thinking, what's in it for me? So I think on the larger, humongously, um, Shakespearean tragic idea of what's in it for me and how it relates to to what's going on in the greed and the um, world geopolitical um, huge. Uh, let's get what we can. It's well, I, I, one point I like to add. Sometimes I wonder is that maybe the the ordinary people sometimes sometimes it seems to me that uh, that uh, you know. Ordinary folks have a greater understanding of what is going on, and are rightfully alarmed. But the uh, uh, the sort of the the power behind this uh, industrialization that is feeding this climate crisis are the uh, are the powerful interests, the economic interests. They're the ones who are keeping this game going. But but anyway, that's that's. One yeah, but point. I just wanted to tell you that's really great that you'll even hear me out because I might be one of those voices in the wilderness like mm -hmm. a few others that, you know, I'm from the 60s. I lived above Dave Dellinger, and we went to Chicago and say, hey, knock it off in Vietnam. And now mm -hmm. if somebody gives, if there's a peep, there's nobody even in the streets. Or if there is someone that's anti-war, they get kind of shut down and slurred, and you can't even... You can't even like hardly call it on cable, but um, I'm still a peace, Nick, and I just wanted to share one little thing with you because I think you know you're really trying to uh, give some voice to some things you don't hardly hear any words enough about. But there, but but the fact that the farmers are standing up in Sri Lanka, I think there's a rising. But I I had this one little thing I want to share, like a quote. It's um, mm -hmm. even places that have been shrouded in darkness for billions of years can be illuminated. Even a stone from the bottom of a river can be used to produce a fire. Our present suffering, no matter how dark, 
have certainly not continued for billions of years, nor will they last forever. The sun will definitely rise. In fact, its ascent has already begun. So I'm just saying it might seem a little thing that I can call into your show and you're speaking out to this stuff and, and not trying to, to like take a really, sh um, be overwhelmingly um, blinded by what's going on that um, is really, I wanna embrace that you're doing that. And thanks for taking the call. Oh, thanks for calling. Yeah, does everybody else, if anybody else has a question or comment, the number to call is 503-231-8187. Uh, how, uh, how do people feel about what the, about the, the direction that the world is going? Is the, uh, the powerful interests seem to be uh, a change, but uh, the... Uh, it seems to be getting worse, and uh, you know the future. Uh, the the future of uh, you know the world will continue in one way or another. The big question is uh, what uh, what happens to the people who try and uh, try and survive in this world. It uh, you know. <laughs> we have a caller. Be... Hello. We have another caller. We have another caller online. Good morning. You're on the air. Hello. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. You're on the air. Yes. All right. Don't mean to switch gears, uh, but I kind of wanted to bring up the uh, Taiwan stuff again with Nancy Pelosi's visit. Oh, um, yes. Mm -hmm. There was oh, yeah. a very interesting timeline that occurred on this. If you remember, I think it was about two months ago, Nancy Pelosi was supposed to go to Taiwan, and she abruptly canceled her trip because she had gotten covid um, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was two months ago. And then about mm -hmm. two weeks ago, she had, uh, it, well, and actually in place of that, who was it? It was, uh, I believe it was Lindsey Graham and other senators went in her place. So this is like the, uh, so we sent uh, Congress members to Taiwan about two months ago. Nancy Pelosi was supposed to go. She canceled. And then, um, and then about two weeks ago, she was, they were trying to re uh there they were there were mentions nancy was talking about trying to go again and it was really weird because her staff kind of denied it at this press conference but i just think this shows uh i mean you know sending people to you know uh leaders to taiwan our leaders i should say i guess american leaders mm -hmm. american government leaders to taiwan that is like that was we all know, like, you know, the, even the news is hinting at how dangerous this is. You know, you're asking, is this poking the bear? Absolutely. And it's just so ironic that, uh, you know, that they've been, it's like they're doing this intentionally. Like, what is the purpose of sending leaders to Taiwan all of a sudden? And we've done it, you know, two times in the last two months now. Uh, it just seems like clear and obvious provocation, uh, you know, of these two warring imperial powers. Um, but yeah, it's the the timeline leading up to this. When when I actually first heard that she had gotten COVID and canceled her her Taiwan trip, I actually thought that that wasn't real and that that was just an excuse to not get her to Taiwan because they said it wasn't a smart idea, which apparently the military is still saying isn't a smart idea. But we are still mm -hmm. doing. Well, that is interesting. Apparently, the military is not so uh, is not so eager to poke the dragon or poke the bear, but it's these. Uh, political leaders like uh, you know uh, uh, 
um, President Biden and Nancy Pelosi, who I think are doing this, uh, you know, kind of for domestic uh, political reasons. They're trying to, I don't know, uh, make themselves look good or make themselves uh, appear strong and resolute uh, at the expense of a uh, a reasonable world order. So, uh, but anyway, you have anything else you want to add to that? No, thank you very much for the time and the topic. Well, thank you for calling. We have a few minutes left. We have time for one more last call. If anybody wants to call, 503-231-8187. We have a call. Uh, I think we have another caller online. Yes. Yes, go ahead. Hello, Pear. Uh, you're absolutely on point to bring up uh, Victoria Newland and Robert Kagan at the beginning of your show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that thinking, that neocon thinking that got us into the Iraq war, uh, those people are still driving the car. They're, they're still flying the plane. That's, mm-hmm. that's our, our uh, strategic leadership. And it's not really just them. It's, 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 you can kind of say, well, they're, they're the people that seem to be putting forward the most, articulating the most aggressive anti-China policy, anti-Russia policy. But this this was actually going on even in the Obama days when Obama announced a what he called a, a pivot to Asia or a pivot mm-hmm. to China. And what it meant was redeploying America's enormous war resources to focus on China, to surround China uh, in the most threatening and hostile fashion with bases up and down the, 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 the coast. Um, the, their largest plan, their, their biggest goal, seems to be to, in some way, uh, destroy Russia and China. Okay, we've only not. got about a minute left, so... Uh... Anyways, they're going to get us all killed. There's no peace movement. There's, this is where the one, one of the most pivotal moments in human history. Uh, this is make it or break it. They will mm-hmm. kill us all if we let them. And unfortunately, we don't have a peace movement yet to oppose it. So by the time we actually do get a peace movement together, it's going to be pretty dire. We're, we're going to be right up against um, Armageddon. And well, we're being told. We're being well, told. I want to thank you for a call. That's, that's an interesting point. Do we have a? Is there any peace movement left? I remember there was one back in the day, uh, and it seems to be the. Uh, it's certainly not as uh, strong as it used to be. What does it take to uh, to get the peace movement going again? So this is actually basically this is a question for uh, for our listeners and anybody else out there, because the way things are now is our leaders are not going to uh, lead any peace movement. They're still playing the old power games, and it may be up to uh, up to the people to uh, call a halt to this and do something that would. Uh, that would uh, bring some kind of a reasonable solution to all these crises that uh, keep popping up all the time. So we are at the end of our hour, this our half hour rather. This has been uh, Fight the Empire, and my name is Parafagrain, and uh, stay tuned to uh, KBOO. It's your station. It belongs to us, and uh, we are responsible for it, and we... Uh, it is our voice in the uh, in the greater uh, in the greater political and arena. So I want to thank you for listening and thank you for those interesting calls. And stay tuned to KBOO.